Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wright. It is a double screen edition, very special edition for all of the right reasons because, <laughs> because um, the last time we did an episode, the Patriots were basically getting ready to write its own obituary. Um, you know, it's delivered its final eulogies. And maybe we saw an eulogy on Sunday in the Jet in a Patriots final game against the Jets of the season. Who knows? But either way, we got a lot to get into. And I'm very excited and very happy to be joined by a good friend of mine back in Boston, the city that I miss very dearly. Um, Kyrie Thompson. He's also the co-host of the uh, of the Believe in the Ravens pod here on the Believe Network. Also does fabulous work on WBUR 90.9 FM in Boston as well. Kari, I know it's been a few months since we last connected um, while I was still in Boston, but how are you on this on this couple of days post um, post Patriot season part of, if you will? Honestly, the entire NFL season, the ending of it is, is a little bit draining, just waiting for all the dominoes that are going to fall. I cover a couple of different teams. So it's, there's, you know, threads going all over the place. Um, I actually just wrote a, uh, an essay on WBUR.com. We don't do a lot of sports at WBUR.com, but because everybody knows I'm the sports guy uh, who used to cover the New England Patriots, I actually wrote something for WBUR about Bill Belichick and why the Patriots need to make a move there. Uh, which I'm sure we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We'll we'll get into the discussion. But you know what? The short answer is, you know what? I'm good. I can't I can't really complain all that much. And I'm glad to hear that you're good. And I totally get it. And especially when we've all just went through a a long arduous season that was um, for the Patriots to finish four and thirteen. I mean, we don't need to recap the entire season. That's not even necessary at this point. But what is necessary is, is that the aftermath of this disastrous 2023 season, we got to talk about it and we're going to have fun doing it because, listen, it feels as if that we had just gotten through a very difficult relationship and your dream and your life has been sucked out of you. And you're just like, what the hell, man? Like, I'm just so tired, but I am glad that this is done and over with. Oh, yeah. That's basically how I feel about the 2023 New England Patriots. And yes, I'm sure you feel the same. <laughs> I'm sure you feel the same way, Kari. <laughs> I mean, I feel that way about the Patriots. I feel that way about, you know, because I also do some writing about the Chicago Bears. I feel that way about oh. the Bears. Oh. Um but hey, that you know, I, I uh, do the Believe in Ravens podcast on the Believe yeah. Network. That's been fun. Which, which is which, he, which you've been doing a phenomenal job of. I mean, I mean, the, the season that has been for the Ravens has been nothing Best short of amazing. And and then on top of that, I mean, Lamar Jackson has proven himself to be more quarterbacky than anyone can be. Um, could have like realized. And I mean, if you know that you know the reference based on your facial expression, Kari, um, Kari, then I I need I don't even say anything else more than that. So, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, listen, it, it's just just quickly, 
everybody sure. just had this idea of, and, and, you know, it's always the black quarterbacks, right? But it's yeah. always this idea that, mm-hmm. you know, oh, well, he's just a running back who can throw, or, you know, maybe he should move to wide receiver. It's like, even going back to college, I mean, was it fully polished? No. But no. Lamar no. Jackson could always pass. He could always throw the football. You want to know who who really couldn't throw the football? Like Tim Tebow. Like I actually just saw oh, that. Yeah. I actually just just saw. Um, you know, because I think yesterday was the anniversary of that touchdown pass he threw to Demarius Thomas. Yes, it in was the playoffs, mm-hmm. and it's just like watch that guy throw the football. That's a dude, a college quarterback, a, you know, running back playing quarterback. That guy actually could not throw the football. If you watch Lamar. You knew he could throw the ball. If you watched his development over the past couple of years, what he's doing this year, this isn't new. This isn't like, yeah. oh, my God, Lamar suddenly learned how to throw. He could always throw. He could always pass. He could always come from behind and lead a team back into a game. This isn't new stuff. But now all of a sudden, wow, look, you really figured it out. Come on, y'all. Like people forget that he won the league MVP in 2019. That's what but he, he ran. He ran a lot that year, you know, so it doesn't count. Um, <laughs> we, we forget that he threw for 3,600 yards or whatever it was that year, but yeah. because he because he ran a lot of times, doesn't count. Hilarious, and it's it's gotta love how like the media works. And speaking of the on the, the media, especially in Boston, um, the Patriots they find themselves at a crossroads and one that is 100% self-inflicted. And I think that if I am Robert Kraft right now, I, to me, it's a very easy decision. The, the fact that here we are at the time of this recording, I must add on this Tuesday evening. Yes. Who knows what happens between now and Wednesday morning? Who knows? But at the time of this recording of this podcast on Tuesday night, January 9th, the Patriots have yet to have made a move in terms of what are they going to do with Bill Belichick. And I find that to be particularly hilarious, but yet at the same time, this is what I was worried about. And I talked about it on the last episode of the Hub of Champions pod where I said, listen, if Robert Kraft is not going to have the balls to make the move that needs to be made, then he's going to be doing this organization to the service. And we're about to enter Wednesday and Bill Belichick is still in the building. And that doesn't sit right with me. That doesn't bode well for the organization because by the day, head coaches around the NFL are being let go like hot pancakes Go ask Arthur Smith, the f- formerly of the Atlanta Falcons, today. Now it's uh, Mike Vrabel, formerly of the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. So head coaches are becoming available. Oh, and oh, by the way, oh, by the way, Jim Harbaugh, who just won the freaking national championship last night, he might want to return back to the NFL. But yeah, Robert Kraft is taking his time moving like molasses across a- across um, Route 1 in Foxborough as if he's Herbert from Family Guy. So, Kari, I'll ask you this. Why is there a delay? And do you think that this is more for the Patriots' benefit, or do you think this has become more of a detriment for the organization? The delay is probably giving Bill Belichick a chance, because I think we can't ignore 
how significant this period of time is for Bill Belichick. He is, is 15 wins away. Is I thought he would be a lot closer coming into the year. But he is 15 <laughs> wins away from breaking the all-time wins record for coaches. I I have to believe Robert Kraft really would like for Bill Belichick to do that in a Patriots uniform. Everybody would. Everybody wants him to do this as a member of the organization. So I think that there is he's trying to get a feeling from Bill Belichick. Look, man, give me something here. Give me a reason not to do this, right? Give me a reason to think that this is going to be better next year and that you're going to get through you're going to get through this rebuild and we are going to get back to winning championships. I I think that there's also the matter of look, Bill Belichick said in his press conference. I think some people phrased it as oh, Bill Belichick's practically begging to keep his job by saying, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll, I'll listen to, you know, whatever it is that is best for the team or whatever options when asked if he would give up GM duties or, but really all that is, is not begging. And he Mm -hmm. mentioned the fact that, Hey, I'm under contract. He's, he's telling you, I'm not going anywhere. You have to fire me. You have to be the one to do it. And so Mm -hmm. that puts the car, put the ball in Robert Kraft's court. And again, this is, I just don't know that this is a move that they want to make. Now I'll say this, that the the weight is it's not as problematic as it could be because i i think that yeah there there are some some coaches that are being interviewed right now i i think that if you're if you're talking about jim harbaugh for example like i i think he's probably gonna go he wanted the chargers job last year now that that's open i think that that would be the much more likely place that he goes because i don't think that dude wants to go anywhere where there's no quarterback if you're a head coach coming into a new job, especially if you're an offensive head coach, you probably want to go to the place where you know there's a quarterback in place. And right now, the Chargers are the only team that for sure has got one. So mm-hmm. I, I would think that there's that there's that. And obviously, the commanders are moving fast. They're interviewing coaches. They're interviewing general manager candidates. And they have the number two pick in the draft. For sure, going like almost certainly going to take a quarterback. It's probably going to be either Caleb. Most likely, it's going to be Drake May because Caleb Williams stands like a very, very good chance of going number one. Of course, because Caleb Williams is a DC kid, maybe there's that idea of let me move up one spot because I really, really want to get my guy. There, there's there's going to be that that mm-hmm. that discussion. But I'm I'm not so sure right now that it is extremely detrimental to the Patriots to not have made the decision yet. I think that if it drags on through the end of the week, then I, I think that's a bit of a problem. But you also have to remember this: a bunch of a bunch of head coaching candidates that people are really hot for, like Ben Johnson. Right? Yeah. They can't even they can't interview right now. They're in the playoffs. So you're not necessarily missing on some of the like, we're requesting permission to interview those guys. Right now, they, they're not they're not interviewing. So I think it's not the worst. But if you if you drag it out too much, then I think you're, you're missing out on time. And I'll, I'll sum it up as this. In regards of whether or not Bill Belichick should be fired or you know, should be let go, or you know, whatever, whatever it is. In this case, it really have to be firing. I understand that for 20 years, the guy 
won an impressive, an unprecedented amount. Yeah. But he is, the Patriots have had three out of four losing seasons since Tom Brady left. Three out of four. Any other coach that puts up that kind of performance is getting fired. It is what it, he's getting fired, especially if you if you the latest one is four and 13 and it looked as mismanaged and, and ridiculous as it did. Plus the fact that you fumbled the bag after making the playoffs and you ruined actively ruined the mm-hmm. quarterback that that had promise. You get fired and it's not. And, and I understand the, the reputation and what he's built here. All of that. I, I think it all matters. I wouldn't say it doesn't matter. But the NFL is not about, and Bill Belichick is not about, you know, what what have you done in the past? It's about what have you done for me lately and what are you going to do? And I cannot think of, me personally, I cannot think of anything that Bill Belichick is going to go say to Robert Kraft that that can convince him, or at least not convince me, that he's going to do a better job developing the next quarterback and doing the next rebuild than he just did this time. You can go ahead and you could blame it all on Mac Mac Jones wasn't good enough or you know what have you. You didn't elevate the team the way that we expected. But that's partly your fault. So to me, I I, I think you gotta you gotta raise this thing to the ground. Start over. I I couldn't agree more. And I I want to take it a step further. I'm gonna go scorched earth here. You see, I'm a firm believer in life that when you are given power you're given leadership and you're given the key to the garden of eden with that comes responsibility and responsibility that is yours and yours only to make sure that it is taken care of to make sure that it is um nourished to make sure that it is well well taken care of and well kept the problem that comes in now is that your ego pushed Tom Brady out the door after the 2019 AFC wildcard game. It was your ego. It was nothing more, nothing less. Your ego pushed him out the door. Robert Kraft did nothing to stop him then. And after that, you go ahead and you sign Cam Newton in June of 2020 during the pandemic. When it's that close to training camp, the Cam Newton experiment, although it started okay, it didn't end well. And then you were forced to draft Mac Jones at pick number 15 in the 2021 NFL draft. There was a battle between Cam, Cam Newton and Mac Jones. Mac Jones won the job. And as you alluded to, Kyrie, he had a promising rookie season. We all thought, okay, there may be something, might be something here. He could, you know, use a, a couple of tweakings here and there, but there's definitely something there. And then 2022 comes around, and we both witnessed this in Boston, the absolute poop show that was the 2022 season, bringing Matt Patricia and Joe Judge in as consultants. And I was screaming no, 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 from no, no, the top. No. They were not. They were not consultants. I'm using air quotes. They were, they were. They were running the show. They were running the show to the detriment of Mac Jones. And I was screaming from the top of of the mountain, from the top of Blue Hill Mountain, saying, "What the actual hell 
is Bill Belichick doing? He is actively ruining Mac Jones. And you wonder why Mac Jones pretty much went down the tank. And I'll never forget that Monday night game. I was there at Gillette Stadium against the Chicago Bears in the 2022 season where you heard we won Zappy. We were both there. We And I never seen anything like it at that moment of time. And then for a very brief moment, Zappy Fever took over. And it, and it was like, okay, maybe Zappy might be the guy. Eh, wrong. He wasn't. Yeah. yeah he wasn't I the mean, guy. Yeah. And then that's it. The 2022 season ends. And then, oh, by the way, you basically let those two go or whatever, or whatever, however you want to phrase it. You, you bring back Bill O'Brien, which, by the way, which is something that you didn't want to do, according to the, to the reports and the findings of Andrew Callahan and Doug Kyatt of the Boston Herald. Shout out to both of who did a tremendous job on that on that report. Tremendous job. Tremendous job, which I couldn't believe reading through that report and seeing everything that's been in that column by both reporters and getting a clear picture and seeing that Bill Belichick was we was willing to be stubborn. He wanted to be a pain in the ass. He wanted to be the person said, I am in control of this operation. I'm going to run it as I see fit, creating, creating basically chaos among the offensive coaching staff. And then what do you have? A disastrous 2023 season. All of this to say in which you had the power, you had all the keys to the kingdom, you had everything at your disposal, and somehow, someway, you decided to F it all up because of nothing more than ego and pride and not wanting or willing to accept help. And this is where we currently are. So I don't know if you're Robert Kraft, what do you possibly do? I mean, what do you possibly do to convince yourself to think that, well, maybe we should try to keep him one more year. Hell no, because if you're going to try to sell it to the fan base, that you're going to trust Bill Belichick to develop the next guy, whoever that may be. And I'm on a Jaden Daniels train, by the way. If it's going to be Jaden Daniels or another quarterback, then I promise you there will be there will be pitchforks walking out Route 1 towards, towards Gillette Stadium because this is pure insanity, not after the season that we just went through. As fans and as and as members of the media, because to me, there's no way that Bill Belichick, under any capacity, should be allowed to walk through that door at Gillette Stadium again. I I think you know I I think that the ego is a tremendous component to this. I think when it comes to the Tom Brady thing, it it was and, and you know I think it's funny, right? That back in the day, that. Tom House actually said this once. Tom House, the legendary throwing coach, mm -hmm. said that Bill Belichick called him into his office one day when he was at you know Gillette Stadium. He was in the area, and he was like, "Look, tell me why I shouldn't trade Tom Brady." Like back in like 2013 or 2014 yeah. or something like yep. that. Tell me why I shouldn't trade him because he's getting up there in years, right? 36, 37 years old. Bill Belichick's thing has always been get out before it's too late before you commit dollars to a guy who's going to fall off. Because I think that, that a wasted investment is really hard for him to deal with. And very often his instincts have been right. He has traded away or cut guys and then they go to other teams and they're not as good or they're hurt, mm -hmm. they're cooked, right? And so I think that he was literally just like, 
42 year old Tom Brady, like, look, man, that you, you've been so good for so long, but you weren't as good in 2019. We got to get rid of you. But again, there's a lack of self-awareness there where it's like the, the offense, specifically the skill position players were not good enough. Correct. I mean, Tom Brady can only elevate things so far, but when you're trotting out Nikhil Harry, who kind of just can't play, we I will never know, forgive him for that, by the way. And, for drafting and, and Nikhil I mean, Harry over, gonna, over DK Metcalf. And and you're and you're trading picks for Muhammad Sanu. Like I, I there there's just a point where it's like Bill Belichick has to also acknowledge his part in it not being good enough. And obviously he gets it wrong because Brady goes to Tampa Bay and they just win a Super Bowl right off the bat and he's still awesome. And you're like, well, <laughs> my bad. Um, <laughs> I, I think you mentioned the Chicago game. And I think that that was one thing that really changed my perspective on Bill Belichick because I, I, because I watched in training camp how awful that offense was just completely disorganized. They could not run a play, a play. They couldn't run any running plays. And because they couldn't run the stretch zone running plays they were trying to run, they couldn't run boot play action off of it. Every time they would try, Mac Jones is getting sacked and his footwork is getting worse. And you could just see it by the day that the frustration mounting, it's like like these plays suck and the quarterback doesn't get, can't operate. And it wasn't about the, the Chicago, the results on the field to me. It was what happened after because I was, that was the weirdest football game I've ever covered. I couldn't again, agree I, more. It was so weird because I'm from the Chicago land area. So I, again, I, I mentioned I cover the Chicago Bears as well. And so I'm not actively rooting for the Bears. I mean, they're the worst team in the league. Like I'm covering the Patriots. So I'm just kind of watching this in like this weirdly divorced state. And I am pissed because why are the Chicago Bears about to put 40 on you? Why is this happening? Right. And Mac Jones is bad. And it, it didn't entirely surprise me because it's been looking spotty. And people are just like, oh, yeah, this is it. It's zappy time. It's zappy hour. And I'm just like, you're just just wait. Just wait. It's coming. Mm -hmm. The regression is coming. And it hit like a ton of bricks in the second half. Whatever. And and I mean, you you saw a little I mean, you saw that get nipped in the bud really fast. But what killed me is after the game. And you have the post-game press conferences and, and, and everything. And most of the time, Bill Belichick is the first guy into the room, up, up to the podium. Not always. Sometimes it's like David yeah. Andrews or something like that. But this time, the first guy to the podium was Bailey Zappi. And they had him answering for Bill Belichick's decision to, to bench Mac Jones and start him. Was that always the plan? Um you know, what were you thinking when that happened? Why did why did Bill do that? And this kid, again, he's a rookie. And he's trying to do the whole, you know, we're on to the Jets, we're on to the Jets. But he couldn't hold it together because he's a rookie. And he he's just thrown into this situation that he, he's just trying to play ball. He yeah. It's not his place to answer that. It's Bill Belichick's. And the fact that, and again, maybe this is just the PR people like, hey, somebody needs to get up to the podium or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I would have waited for Bill Belichick <laughs> to talk it over with the coaches and get to the podium and make him answer these questions. The fact that, that Bailey Zappi was out there answering that first killed me. That was, yeah. that was like a dereliction of duty on somebody's part. And, and then for Bill Belichick to get to the podium later and be like, Oh, you know, that was always the plan. Players did not know that that was the damn plan. Mm -hmm. 
And and I mean, it, it, to me, it just felt like it felt like it, he was he was misleading us, and the players were trying to kind of cover for it and just be like, "Look, man, you know, it's the coach's decision. You know, like we practiced this and we had this many reps in practice. It, it was crazy." And I think that to me, it's like if Bill Belichick isn't going to do good at that, like uh, that that's a dereliction of duty. And we're not even talking about the fact that you know this is the last point I'll make on this, right? People talk about, well, Bill Belichick, the coach, is fine. It's it's Bill Belichick, the general manager, that is the problem here. Mm. That kind of stuff suggests that that is not necessarily the case. That's your mm-hmm. decision as the coach. It was your decision as the coach to hire Bill O'Brien and to allow him to kind of you like take all this power away from the position groups. And then you wonder why the position groups are bad. Okay? Things like that are within Bill Belichick's purview as the coach so to me both the general manager and the head coach aren't doing a good enough job and have to get fired which is which brings me back to the point of there's no way in hell that Belichick can come back under any circumstances forget about head coach let alone the GM there's just there's there's absolutely no way but there's just so many things about this 2023 season I find to be really strange Number one, and I have to start with the quarterback because as both both of us are lovers of football and we watch quarterbacks play across the league. Mm-hmm. And there was, num- there was one thing that I, and I found myself coming back to almost every Sunday this past NFL regular season. Other NFL offenses just looked a bit more competent than the Patriots' offense. Hell, even the Bears' offense, I'm, I'm sure at points, look a little better than the Patriots. I'm, I'm, Not I, a, I, I, I mean, mean, listen, listen. I mean, <laughs> who watches the Bears and somebody who could tell you that that operation also needs to get completely reevaluated and that there's a good chance the offensive coordinator, at the very least, will not mm-hmm. be back. Yeah, their offense was more competent than the than the Patriots because the Patriots <laughs> offense was a disaster from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. So it's injuries, right? Injuries on the offensive line, but you had no playmakers really at, at wide receiver. I mean, aside from like Pop Douglas, and it's a sixth round rookie. He's not supposed to be your best receiver. Not supposed mm-hmm. to be your best receiver. Ramondre Stevenson can't get it on track because the offensive line can't block. And nobody's worried about the passing game. And look, just quarterback is just not good enough. We can talk about coordination and the plays that are being called. And I agree, all of that wasn't good enough. But Mac Jones simply has been trending downwards. And it's not all his fault. I would argue that it's mostly not his fault. But it is what it is. He's still Mm -hmm. trending downwards as a player. And at least you could look at the Chicago Bears and say, well, they had a couple of good games where the offense looks really good because they have DJ Moore and they can run the football. And because even if Justin Fields is maddeningly inconsistent, the dude can just make some plays. He oh, yeah. Pull him completely out of his butt. You can have <laughs> him sacked and, it, and, he, and he wiggles out of it and runs. I mean, you did that against the Patriots, right? So they're mm-hmm. just plays that are being made because there is talent. In, in certain places, not a, not a whole lot, not a whole lot of talent, not enough talent, yeah. but there is just more talent there than there is with the New England Patriots on offense. And that is awesome. That's telling. That's that telling. is, 
That is horrid. So, I, I again, and Bill Belichick, the general manager, not doing a good enough job of bringing talent into the equation. And that's and that is where my anger comes in because I, on social media, especially on Twitter, those that aren't following me as of yet, follow me at at Shukriwrites. Kyrie, drop your handle if you will. Indeed, at KD Thompson Five. There is another guy out there in the Boston market with the same name as me, but he, wor- not- he works for the he works for Boston.com. But I know exactly who you're talking about. I've yeah. I've met with the gentleman. All, 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 awesome dude and whatnot. Wildly but, tall, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like he, he, he's like six, six, like six, seven. Like seriously, he, could, he, he could not be more unlike me physically, right? It is, <laughs> it, is so, it is so funny, right? He's like six, 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 seven. I'm seriously, like, yeah, five, like six, You know what I mean? A mountain Maybe. of a man, like he's literally. literally. He's like twenty five. I'm 33. He's a young guy. I'm a, I'm an yeah. older guy. I'm all like I'm loud and stuff, and he's a little bit more chill. You know, you know what I mean. But oh, yeah. yeah, so I'm at KD Thompson five. I'm not the one that that not the handle that looks exactly like my name is spelled KD Thompson five. Anyway, go ahead. That, Tell me your that is that is his Twitter handle. I I have made this mentioned the day it happened when the Patriots went out and they signed Juju Smith Schuster. The tweet, the tweet is still there. And I said that this is a good move if they go out and get a number one receiver. And I was literally voicing my concern that if they if they don't get themselves a number one receiver, they are going to set up Mac Jones for failure. They are going to be creating a sinking ship before this, the ship has already left the harbor. And what do you know? You talk about the lack of playmakers on on office for the Patriots. Start there, because I talk, and I literally told Patriot fans this from from Jump Street, and many many of them did agree. But of course, you have those that 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 were like, no, 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 like everything's gonna be fine. Like, no, buddy, no. If you watch Juju Smith Schuster when he was a, with, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and with the Kansas City um, Chiefs, you know full and well that he was never a number one receiver. He was not a number one receiver on either of those teams. What made you think that he was going to come to New England and become a number one receiver? And when I looked in that in that wide receiving room, and I was thinking to myself, man, they're going to just come back with Kendrick Bourne. They they're basically um they they basically allowed <laughs> like their um their, their top uh, receiver from last year, I think Jabari Parker. Who went to um to, to Vegas on the Vegas on Raiders last I mean, like at, at the at basically during the offseason? It was just like, come on, what are we doing? I mean, we, we need more, we need more weapons. The help never came. Again, Bill Belichick, the GM. What angers me now is that this all could have 100 percent been prevented. It actually could have. But when you don't spin on the skill positions and you think that you can still develop these players as if that you still have Tom Brady. That's exactly what it was by and large part operating as if Tom Brady was still in the, in, in the building and you can get, you know, second level or third level um, talented talents at the skill positions. We're talking about the, running back and receivers offer it to be an absolute unmitigated disaster. And that's what we got. So I'll, I'll ask you this because 
the off season hasn't even begun just yet. I mean, the NFL postseason starts this weekend with the with the Super Wild Card weekend coming up. And as you holding up the baseball, <laughs> as you're holding up the baseball, for those of you that pocket. for those for those of you that are watching this on that are able to watch this on YouTube or whatever you're able to watch it. Kyrie's holding like, a baseball. I'm trying to think of what which which grip am I trying to do? Like you you hold so, you look like holding a fastball grip. So I'm gonna just throw you a fastball. Like, so, well, well, well I'm, I'm holding on this. I feel like this is more of a breaking ball grip, honestly, because I got it kind of yeah. tilted to the side. Yeah, this, that is a break. That is a breaking ball. Finger on on, on <laughs> the right there. You know what I mean? I didn't throw a whole lot of breaking balls. I was like, I was fastballs and changeups and singers. <laughs> Yo, I actually low key had a nasty sinker i just discovered it one time playing really i was just like oh that just disappeared <laughs> i couldn't throw it for a strike but that didn't matter because oh i would throw, i would throw it up there and they'd be like oh this looks sweet and then it would just like this ball <laughs> table disappear. <laughs> and and the thing is it's like my change up right so it's like I don't know. I was probably throwing like 70 something, right? Like like 75 or whatever when I was playing him. You know, the, the, you know, I, I didn't pitch very much. I was actually more of a center yeah. fielder, center fielder, mm-hmm. second base. That was my thing. Anything that allowed me to run around a little bit. But when I would pitch, right, it's like not my fastball wasn't exactly topping out at like 92 or something like that. Oh, yeah. But oh boy, my changeup would be like 10 <laughs> mile an hour difference because I would palm the heck out of that ball. Because I actually got pretty decently Good sized grief. hands. So I would yeah. grab the heck out of that thing and sling it. Like <laughs> there, there, people would just be like, they'd be doing that. They'd be doing that like Bugs Bunny swing from like the old cartoons. So they swing three oh, yeah. times and the ball hasn't Bugs even Bunny. gotten to the plate yet. <laughs> That'd be me. Sorry. Anyway, you were about to ask me a question. I got no, 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 no. Listen, listen. I'm I'm not even bugging on one one iota because that's that's literally us in a nutshell. Like off <laughs> away from the camera, off the mic. <laughs> But yeah. like, but 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 you you already know. But the world doesn't. But that, but you already know. But as far as the Patriots are concerned, the offseason hasn't even officially begun yet. In terms of like the NFL free agency period, and we all we all know that fun jazz and so forth. The NFL is a is a twenty is a twenty four seven three sixty five monstrosity of of a machine that dominates the sports landscape, bar none. If you're the Patriots. We know that the Patriots have a whole laundry list of needs. They they sure as hell need a new head coach. They need a new GM. They need help at the wide receiver. They need a quarterback. They need help on the offensive line. <laughs> but whoever comes in next, whoever comes in next, where do you begin? Where do you start? Because this is as messy as it possibly can be. I mean, hell, this is more messier than, than in the abandoned factory and effort, for God's sakes. I mean, that's how messy it is. So, so okay. So, so you're asking me, so on the field specifically? On the field specifically. Where do you begin? Quarterback. And, and, I, and I, under, I, I understand, and I understand people that are going to be like, who's going to block for the guy? Who's he going to throw to? I completely get that. So do I. But you need a damn quarterback. I mean, look, look nice. to, in, in, in today's league, if you want to compete for a Super Bowl, yeah, I know back in the day, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. But you got to understand the context with some of this stuff, man. You can, you can, win, with, you can win with a mid 
quarterback. I, I've been thinking so much about quarterback play and quarterback development lately mm-hmm. because of, of, of all the just just all the issues that we've seen, especially with this 2021 draft class, where mm-hmm. I feel like you could look at somebody like Zach Wilson and be like, yeah, he just wasn't it, man. Because he had a running game. He had receivers. He had probably a decent offensive coordinator. The defense was incredible. At some point, sometimes a guy is just he's talented, but just not picking the game. Not a up. good fit. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, you know, hor- I mean, horrible first year because he had Urban Meyer and that was a complete dumpster fire. But then what yeah. do you do? You go ahead and you grab Doug Peterson, great high, who can coach the heck out of some quarterbacks mm-hmm. and gets better pretty much right away. And they didn't even add completely elite weapons. I think they still need at least one real receiver in Jacksonville because Calvin Ridley, I think, you know, is good, but he's not quite number he's one. Not, level he's not gonna right blow now. the blow, he's not gonna blow the secondary yeah. up on the secondaries off the out the water. I agree. Yeah. So so I think he needs one more guy and he needs some offensive line help, right? But mm-hmm. you can see that just adding a competent offensive coach makes him better and gets that team in playoff contention two straight years, right? Mm-hmm. Justin Fields has been through just hell the entire time, you know this year it's like oh finally you get dj Moore, your your first good offensive player and Mm -hmm. dj Moore has a career year with justin fields but the rest of the offense not up to snuff so it's like there there are just so many different things that that young quarterbacks need but I, i just feel like in the end you take the quarterback you find a quarterback and then you build around them with mm-hmm. time, it doesn't have to all be ready-made year one. It'd be great if you just you're plopping Brock Purdy in there, but Brock Purdy's got Kyle Shanahan and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey and Trent Williams, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he's got all these things. Okay, so I, I don't know that I want to hear like, oh yeah, you can just find a quarterback later. There's a reason Brock Purdy's and Tom Brady's are able to happen. It's because they don't have to do it all themselves because they're on a good team, a well-coached team with people to do stuff. Okay. If you, if you want to compete in today's NFL, you need a quarterback that can do all that stuff. And you find those kinds of quarterbacks at the top of the draft. You don't want to be picking number three again. You're not going to have this kind of opportunity again. So if you like Jaden Daniels, take Jaden Daniels and be deal with the rest later. Patch it up in free agency with, you know, replacement level offensive linemen that can at least get you to be average, right? Mm-hmm. Find a receiver in the draft that can give you something akin to what, you know, Pop Douglas, you know, did, but with a little bit more athleticism, size, upside or whatever. Yeah. And then in year two and three, you keep building, but don't miss the opportunity to do it now. Don't take Joe Alt. I can right? agree don't, more. Don't. Don't take a, a tackle. I oh, don't take don't tackles. take Marvin Harrison no, Jr. The don't need tackles because they need they need tackles absolutely. But don't take that guy number three. And and I mean I love Marvin Harrison Jr. I do. He's probably Same. he's the best player in the draft. You talk about generational. I don't. I don't think Caleb. I don't, Williams I don't think is he's that. No, I don't think Caleb Williams is generational. I don't think Drake May is generational. I think they're both very good. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is generational talent. I still wouldn't take him at number three overall. 
Not if you have a quarterback that you like. Because, again, go ahead and get the receiver. Cool. Who's throwing him the football? Bailey Zappi? You're wasting an opportunity. Wasting an opportunity. Wasting a year of cheap, amazing wide receiver because you got no quarterback. Can't do that to me. That's that, and, and that's I think that's in itself will be a mistake if the Patriots drafted Marvin Harrison Jr. at three. And the reason is because it's really it's as simple as this. I'm not denying the talent that Marvin Harrison Jr. has. That's not what this is. What this is is that you need a quarterback so bad that in order to have any sort of shot of being remotely average, you need a quarterback. If you go into 2024 saying, you know, we're going to figure out a quarterback, understand that I am going to go scorch earth with this organization because I am willing to bet the house that Belichick is gone. I'm willing to to bet that the person, whoever that is going to be next, to be the head coach and general manager of the New England Patriots, they're going to recognize right away that you need a quarterback, you need help in the offensive line. Those two, they can go hand in hand. But in terms of the draft at number three, you get you a quarterback. This is a quarterback-driven league. 25 years ago, you were able to get away with being able to win with average to mediocre talent at quarterback. That was 25 years ago. Not in today's NFL. Not in today's NFL where you need a quarterback to win. You need that elite-level quarterback that's going to help you um, make that step towards playoff contention. And once you become a playoff contender, you know, see how oh, everything else like falls on um, falls into place. And, and you know, w- one thing that I will I will say in in in, in comparison to what you were m- mentioning about the 2021 uh, draft, um, Kyrie, I will tell you that 2020 that draft class of 2020 with Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tagovailoa is so a Trevor prime Lord, example. Trevor Lawrence was 2021. Tua was 2020. So that was that was. 2020, sorry, I stand corrected. Yeah. Yeah, so Tua was 2020, and Justin Herbert was there too. Yeah, like J- Justin Herbert, like and 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 Tua, that's a prime example as to, hey, when you have a quarterback that's available that you trust and that you can believe that can lead your franchise to great heights, you go get the guy. The problem isn't with Justin Herbert or Tua. My problem isn't even with them as quarterbacks. It was the fit in which they walked into at that time, which is why. The other component is this, that whoever the Patriots select draft at number three at quarterback, which I'm hoping that they do, you have to have the right fit involved because it matters. And I'm going to give you I'm going to give you an actual example. Because people tend to forget this. Remember back in 2011, what the San Francisco 49ers did at that time. They had a, a young Colin Kaepernick then who was backing up Alex, Alex Smith. Smith. Who was the head coach then? Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. They go all the way to the NFC title game and one of the best playoff games that was ever played between the Giants and the Niners that year. Obviously, the Giants, they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, obviously. But the following year, Kaepernick takes over. Jim Harbaugh basically creates this entire offense sur- around surrounding the skill set that Kaepernick brought to the table. 
pistol offense, run supreme in San Fran. They get to the Super Bowl, and they just come within one drive short of making a comeback in Super Bowl 47. I say all of that to say is that where you where you draft a quarterback and where he goes, it matters. Fit matters, which yeah. is why, which is why I'm looking at this at the Los Angeles Chargers. And if Jim Harbaugh goes there, it wouldn't surprise me. And within the next year or two, if the Chargers end up end up challenging a team like Baltimore or Kansas City on top of the AFC would not surprise me, which is why the Patriots have got to get it right in terms of the head coach and as well as the quarterback at number three, because it, they cannot afford to F it up. Yeah, and I, and I think one one note, too, is people talking about C.J. Stroud this year. Mm. You know, and, and again, I, let me go ahead and lay it out. I think you need three things as a young quarterback to – to succeed. You need to have at least one of them in, yeah. in order to, to develop. You need to have either a good supporting cast, right? So good offensive line, good receivers. You need to, or, you know, and, or a very good offensive coach, whether that's the head mm -hmm. coach or an offensive play caller and, or have continuity in a system, not have to start over. So it's like you can you can look at any one of the quarterbacks down the line and say like, oh, one they had one of these things. Like mm -hmm. Josh Allen had a good offensive coach and continuity for three years, and they got him Stephon Diggs. So yeah, the first couple of years were were uneven, but by the time that third year rolled around, that boy was ready to go. You got him yeah. Stephon Diggs. He's like, oh, I know where everything is and what the whole offense does, and I have an elite guy. Let's go. And don't forget Love. about don't forget about the Brian Dable effect too. Yeah, yeah, Brian Dable, very good offensive coach. Mm -hmm. And and then you look at like for example, here's a pol a couple polarizing ones. CJ Stroud comes in, Ooh, right? Yeah. And everybody's like, "Oh my god, look at CJ Stroud." Like I didn't really I didn't realize he was that good and he's single-handedly lifting the team. Bobby Slowick was part of that whole Shanahan tree back in the day. He was on the same staff as all those guys, Kyle Shanahan. Mike mm -hmm. McDaniel, all of them, right? He was on that too. And he and he's getting head coaching interviews like crazy. His first year as an offensive coach because he found out how to speak C.J. Stroud's language. And C.J. Stroud, is, I think he, he was really good in the beginning and people slept on him. And I was, I've been saying that for the longest, okay? I am not surprised at what C.J. Stroud is doing. But I think people are acting like C.J. Stroud is just – doing this with a whole bunch of bums he's doing it with oh, a no. good coaching staff and a mm -hmm. good offensive line right it's it's not just like wow look at what he's doing with tank dell and nico collins who are better mm -hmm. than people thought they were it's like he's got those things too jordan love okay hmm. first full year as a starter and people kind of wondering is he gonna be it like is green bay really he's out here balling because he's been sitting and learning in this system and stewing the entire time You've got a good offensive line and a good running game. The receivers are, eh, you know, they're young and they're getting better. But again, also got Matt LaFleur. Mm -hmm. He's got several of these things that you need in, in order to be good. And so that's the other part of it. You can't do it all in one year. And most likely, if you're the New England Patriots, you're not going to be able to get the elite supporting cast in year one for a young quarterback. But what you could do is get the offensive play caller 
Get the, the coach squared away. Get that relationship going. Make sure they can speak to that young quarterback and get them playing better as the year goes on. I don't care if they hit the rookie wall at some point, as long as they're able to work through it. And then you build the staff and you build the supporting cast off of that. Okay. Yeah. But that's why to me, I don't, I don't subscribe to this idea that you have to have the whole team built out before you get the quarterback. No, no, mm -hmm. no, no. Not if you do it right. You do it right. You don't have to do that. Absolutely. And I think that you, there's so many, there's definitely some examples around the NFL where you could point to like prime example, I think of the Kansas City Chiefs and I'm not talking about just the, the recent dynasty Chiefs and I don't even consider it to be a dynasty, but I'm talking about when their run began in 2018. Now you can you can actually point to the year before if you were for being frank, um, in, in 2017, in which that um Andy Reid and Alex Smith, but when Patrick Mahomes became the starter in 2018, you saw how there was just an immediate fit in terms of Mahomes and Reid. And you look you look around elsewhere in the NFL. One point you, you can say even Kyle Shanahan. And Jimmy Jimmy G, um, for a very brief moment. But now, I think what you're seeing is next level with Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan, head coach, quarterback, and obviously, you roster construction is off the charts, both in in Kansas City by and large part, and as well as the San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco, I think they they should be the prohibitive favorites to win the Super Bowl going into the playoffs because of just how stacked they are, both offensively, defensively, and even special teams. So I say I say I say all that to say that I actually agree with you. You don't have to have it all figured out in in, in year number one, like in this offseason, but you do need a quarterback because without it and without the right head coach, you're basically going to be rinse, wash, rinse, repeat the same lesson all over again because all of that matters. Um, and it's so a last question I'll ask you to um, to, to wrap it up because I want to um give you an opportunity to like to, to share your thoughts on what I'm about to bring to the table. When you look back on the Mac Jones era in new England, what are some things that stand out to you as to where and why did the Patriots get it so wrong in terms of developing a young quarterback? And what are some of the lessons that they can apply for this upcoming draft as to for whoever the next quarterback of the Patriots are going to be? I think first and foremost, the, the thing that stands out to me is be mindful of who you trust to develop your quarterback. I would like to think that whether it's Bill Belichick or, you know, whomever it is that you're never ever going to ask Matt Patricia, like Matt, someone like Matt Patricia or Joe judge to, do that again to design your offense and change everything and then you design this whole offensive strategy around it you know we're going to be an outside zone shanahan kind of team oh yeah we can just go ahead and make that up and and run those plays and then you scrap it and then you've wasted draft picks on taekwon thornton and pierre strong because they all of a sudden don't fit right mm. so that that's enough that's another aspect of this but don't ask yes men who can't do the job to do the job. <laughs> Be real about your personnel. 
because I think it was it was fine to roll into 2021 with like Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith and Kendrick Bourne and, and Nelson Aguilar and all that. that. That's fine for a rookie year supporting cast. And the offensive line was good and the running game was good. That's okay. But when you don't improve off of that, and not only do you not improve off of that, it, it actively gets worse with time. I don't know how you expect a young quarterback to be successful. And you can sit up there and just be like, look, Mac Jones wasn't really all that talented to begin with. He, you know, is yet a pop gun arm, pea shooter Jones, can't throw outside the numbers. But you can say all of that, and you know what? That's that's fine. But let's not all let not act like he, at no point could he ever play because he could clearly play. He yeah. could play and he got worse. And it wasn't just because other teams got the book on him because teams get the book on everybody, right? Teams study. <laughs> it's natural. But if you have a good coaching staff and you have good support around your quarterback, you can adjust for that kind of thing. So I think you have to you have to be real about the supporting cast you're putting around young players. You don't have to act like we were we got a bargain hunt at wide receiver or offensive line. This isn't Tom Brady taking up a significant portion of salary cap. It's a rookie. Spend yeah. that money. Spend the assets while you can and support the guy. Absolutely. And that is going to wrap up this edition of the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wrights, Kyrie Thompson of WBR, and as well as the co-host of the Believe in Ravens podcast on Believe Network. Check it out as well. Check out his work, that terrific work that he does for WBUR and WBUR.com as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to hop on. And I definitely cannot wait to see what's next. Um, I can't wait to see like what is going to um, come from from this crazy time period for the Patriots and as well as uh, the fallout from what will be a pretty monumental time, no matter what happens next for the organization mm -hmm. as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, man. We'll do it again. My pleasure. Thank you, bud. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.